welcome to the Emergence Discipleship Podcast, created to equip ourselves with insight, background, and context into the themes and topics we study each week, first as we gather together to worship Jesus, and then as we go and make disciples. Let's dive into this week's discussion. All right. Hey, everybody. We are in week three of our Fall Communities season. Welcome to the Communities Podcast. I, as usual, am your host, Doug Becker, and I am here actually with two wonderful individuals, the first of whom is uh, Jordan Marotti, well, uh, my, for my third appearance on the podcast. Third appearance, that's right, one from last season, one right? One from last season. The number of people who came up to me and were like, I heard you on the podcast, I was like, wow, a lot of people listen to this podcast, but way to go, that's guys. Right. A <laughs> shocking number of people listen to the podcast, <laughs> I'm always surprised. Hi. And this is Miss, Mrs. Laryngitis. Yeah, still suffering. Uh, I think it's my new voice, actually. I'm just going with, uh, I have a smoky, smoky voice now. This is the way it's going to be now. <laughs> Kristen's just going to drink bourbon inst- yes. instead of uh, seltzer. That's right. Uh, that's a good friend's quote or reference there. Start a side job singing in yeah. jazz clubs. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. All right. So we do have uh, two microphones and three people right now. So it's a little bit aw- awkward. But uh, Kristen is sitting in for the seltzer review part, um, uh, in part because we greatly enjoy her company, but then also because she is the provider of this wonderful offering, which is guava mule people it is a polar seltzer i found this on the shelf and was pretty excited because i'm assuming it's obviously non-alcoholic but i'm assuming that it has some ginger in it we'll see we will see but guava guava mule i'm cracking this sucker right now it's in a bottle so (laughs) i texted texted doug that was a good one for a bottle (laughs) I texted Doug pretty excited about this find. So we'll see how it... You hear that, folks? That's the refreshing sound of polar seltzer. All right, everybody. Cheers. Cheers. The smell is really nice, too. Well, I don't know if I can pick gu- the flavor of guava out in a lineup That's of funny. fruits. I know? was going to say this is like all I taste is guava. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> You're alone, know. Doug. Uh, you guys you guys know guava well? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Have you ever had guava? I'm sure I have, but I like I'm like if someone was like is this a guava or a papaya? I'd I, be like I think guava is the most like naturally this is just candy you picked up off of the earth or however you get guava is it like i don't know but guava is incredibly sweet Mm. yeah Yeah. um i'm gonna be honest i don't taste mule i don't either actually was gonna say it kind of feels like someone like lightly put like left this in a room with a lime (laughs) and like on the other side of the room (laughs) and it marinated overnight yes exactly 24 hours in a sealed room with a lime (laughs) Um, i am a little sad this is a summer limited edition because i i do like Mm. it it's very good it's super sweet though it's a little sweet for me yeah Uh, which was surprising given my tag that i'm wearing around the office today doug is wearing a free sugar tag which he took off of a thing of actual sugar and he has actually he's yo he's answered the door wearing this thing the stranger <laughs> strangers one guy looking for Passaic county offices wrong door he didn't find Passaic county offices but he found some free sugar he found some doug 
<laughs> That's right. Yeah, I forgot I had it on. It's the awkward. It's the awkward version of the free hugs T-shirt. You know. I forgot I had it on, but I'm also not taking it off right now. Yeah. And then Jordan. Jordan uh, did an interesting technological thing this morning. Would you like to reveal what did. we did what in did the office? Do? Oh my goodness. What did we do? <laughs> this is gold. This, gold. Uh, now, pure gold. Now, if we're saying it on the podcast, we ha- it has it's, to happen. It's going to be so legit. Incredi- incredible pressure to our friend who offered to maybe you do this. To but I, I, um, I may have taken a 3D scan of Doug's face this morning, <laughs> and we may have the information that might allow us to possibly make a Doug Becker bobblehead. We're going to do our best. Talk about limited edition. Yeah, we've got a high-tech <laughs> 3D printing friend. Okay, so... Um, what are the scores on this seltzer, folks? What are we What are we doing here? I, I'll give it four out of five. Really? Bubbles. Yeah, I'm a oh, fan. I like the I sweet. I like the sweet because seltzer tends to mm. be my uh, soda replacement beverage because mm. I like the fizz, but I don't want the sugar. <laughs> I, I don't want the sugar, Doug. I <laughs> I don't mean this as an insult okay. to the seltzer because it's good. It's good, but. I'm not necessarily a fan of how sweet it is. I think I would go two. I was going to go two bubbles. It is a little misleading being called a mule because uh, mules aren't so sweet. That's taking points off for me, too. Yeah. You know? It's, it's not. It's, and not, it's a not. It's not a mule. No. They they just I don't really, marketing. That's I don't really marketing get any ginger at all. I, I wonder if there is anything that has to Jordan's do with iPad. You did. <laughs> I wonder if there's anything that has to do with ginger or. Uh, maybe lime maybe lime okay so Kristen gives it a two jordan uh, five four four, four yeah, sorry Kristen jordan gives it a two I'm giving it a two i'm gonna go ahead and have to give it a two also mm. i'm sorry to say because i i don't know maybe i'm not that big a fan of guava it is the sweetness and also i dock points for false advertising yeah it is false adver- advertising if i if i were to to dock it for false advertising i'd probably give it a two because it's not what you expect unless there is... mule unless i'm mistaken as to the meaning of <laughs> a drink that's labeled mule there there is no sugar or sweeteners or sodium or caffeine or juice um, and the only ingredients listed are water and natural flavors. So I don't know. I don't know where With they're that getting that kind of ambiguity. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. No I lime. I don't know. I think most seltzers. No that's what it's labeled. Just natural yeah. flavors. Yeah, yeah, natural flavors. Thanks a lot. I'd love me some unnatural flavors. Natural. You know. <laughs> Yeah. All right. Well, that's it for our seltzer review for this week. If okay, anyone's bye. got any suggestions, yeah, Kristen is going to go and now actually get some work done. Since you guys don't like us, I'm taking. The oh man, <laughs> you're going to be a thirsty bunch in here. Enjoy. All right. Have a good one. Okay. So we are on week three of Gospel Mission. What is this? Part five of Acts or something? We uh, are in Acts part five. Yeah. Part, Acts part yep. five. Which yeah. We kicked off on our big day out. That's true. We did. Yes. Okay. Um, All right. So I'm going to just put out there to you uh, community group leaders right now, something interesting that's uh, come up in our church that uh, uh, we're looking, well, I'll just explain what it is. There's a lady in our church who has this extraordinary ministry, and she's very, very faithful to do it, of calling people who are um, shut-ins, but also people maybe who could use just, um, you know, um, phone call, encouragement, scripture reading, prayer. And she does it on a very consistent basis. Like there's people that she'll call every day to read a psalm to and to pray with them and stuff like that. So if you know anybody um, in your circle who might um, benefit from this, please let me know. 
and I'm happy to 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 uh, to hook them up with her. I think it's a great opportunity, and I'm excited that she reached out to us to to see if um, we'd like to do this. I've definitely checked her out, made sure she's not going to be telling people anything crazy. So don't worry about that. Um, but all right, now that we got that that uh, done here, um, our text today is Acts 16, 11 through 40, uh, with the main idea that I have isolated <laughs> as being that God has different ways of reaching different kinds of people with the gospel. Um, uh, as for the announcements this week, um, we uh, are still uh, announcing the uh, Ringwood cookout, not barbecue there. You like like what yeah, I did there? Yeah, I could have just pressed made delete. the point. You could have backspaced the word yes. barbecue, but instead you went the extra effort to highlight it and strike through. Yeah. yeah. At which, if you see Ben Davis, our pastor of music, um, then you should come up to him and try to work into the conversation a mention of this and call it a barbecue to him. So please do that. And then um, boxes of love is up once again with a uh, with a with a little trailer for it in the videos before the services that makes me cry because it is the voice of our former creative director. This is true, Matthew Novak. Matt, if you're out there, we love you. Um, and uh, yeah, so you just grab a box at the at a thanks at Thanksgiving at a Sunday service, fill it up with stuff, not a turkey. There's turkey vouchers turkey, in not there. Not going to work well when we not, open it up. Not going to work well. And then, heard that uh, video so many times. I love that I video. I probably can just through my own subconscious get it word for word. Got it memorized. Point. It's been like six years of nice. boxes of love video. Yeah, that's a lot of love. <laughs> a lot of love and a, a lot, lot of boxes. boxes. Yeah. Also, we've got a family dedication coming up in November uh, 13th. So you know the deal. That's for kids five or under. If they have not been uh, dedicated. Um, and then... Um, Finally, just want to remind everybody of the Servant's Heart opportunity for your group if you want to tangibly bless some folks uh, this season. That's a great way to do that. Uh, for the icebreaker I gave you this week, when was the first time you went to a church and why? Since we're always talking about reaching people with the gospel, what was it that brought you out? Yeah, I don't know how much this is growing on me. I don't Seltzer, know. It's actually, it's degrading on me. I like it less the more. I feel so bad saying that. <laughs> I was really proud of it and really enjoyed it. Sorry, Kristen. The, 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 <laughs> the, the uh, limited edition polars are very hit, hit or miss. It's true. They're very, yeah. So, I mean, I appreciate her bringing it in. I was very excited when she first showed it to me. Okay. Um, we begin this week with a little bit of explanation here, uh, since there is a little bit of a gap from where we left off last week to where we're picking up today. So um, several important things have happened in Paul's life since we left him last week in chapter 15. He and his companions have set out once again from Antioch to return to several of the cities where they had planted churches on their first missionary journey. After separating from Barnabas due to a disagreement as to whether to bring along John Mark, Paul and Silas meet a young disciple named Timothy in the city of Lystra, whom they take with them to join them in the work. At the prompting of the Spirit, possibly through Silas, who was a prophet, uh, as we see in 1532, they sail from Troas for the province of Macedonia to preach the gospel in lands yet unreached. It appears that Luke, the author of Acts, joined Paul at Troas as he begins in 1610 to refer to Paul's entourage no longer as they, but as we. 
interesting little factoid there, right? So fun Bible Bible history and nerd facts. If you're ever at a party, <laughs> yeah, just want to get people uh, get people smiling and laughing. This is a good one. <laughs> another nerd fact is in some of Paul's letters, uh, he lists himself alongside with Silvanus. Uh, that Silvanus is probably this Silas. So uh, Paul would have called him Silvanus. Fun facts. Yes, yes. As we study Acts 16, 11 through 40, we will consider three different kinds of people whom God reaches in unique ways. When your name is Paulus Apostolos, I think there's probably some fun facts about you. Yes, yes, as there are <laughs> fun facts for the next, uh, for entire section five of Acts. Yes. Um, All right. So we're jumping in. Doug, can I jump off and read for us? I would love fewer things more. Wow. All right. Cool. I had to think about that one for a second as to whether or not that meant you want me to. (laughs) (laughs) All right, beginning in chapter 16 on verse 11. We put out to sea from Troas and sailed a straight course to Samothrace, the next day to Neapolis, and from there to Philippi, which is a leading city of that district of Macedonia, a Roman colony. We stayed in this city for some days. On the Sabbath day, we went outside the city gate to the side of the river, where we thought we would be where we thought there would be a place of prayer and we sat down and began to speak to the women who had assembled there a woman named Lydia a dealer in purple cloth from the city of Thyatira a god-fearing woman listened to us the lord opened her heart to respond to what paul was saying after she and her household were baptized she urged us if you consider me to be a believer in the lord come and stay in my house and she persuaded us the end. The See end. you next week. Okay. <laughs> Explains itself, really. <laughs> All right. So we explain here, Paul's u- <laughs> usual strategy has been to go first to the synagogues and to strike up dialogue with the Jews and God-fearing Gentiles there. At Philippi, however, Jewish influence appears to have been quite small. Instead of a synagogue, the place for gathering was a riverside where people would meet for prayer. Okay. So, all right. So first question here. What are some of the details given about Lydia in this paragraph? And spoiler alert, but I actually give you um, the answer in this one, uh, just so that, uh, you know, things to just to ensure that, you know, uh, obviously let people answer the question. But these are the things that it's important to hit on here. Um, So what's the first for the first thing that we see there, Jordan? Well, we've got quite a few. I've uh, given us three distinct ones we want to make sure we hit as we ask this question. Yep. Um, the first one is that she's a woman. Uh, and Luke shows a special interest in the conversion of women and in their involvement in the early uh, Christian movement. And you've provided us with lots of references that I assume are all from the Book of Acts. That's right. And I didn't yep. make them up. If you look them up, there will be stuff there. Firmly believe that. Yes. Yeah. Um, and another one uh, that you listed here is that she is a worshiper of God, uh, which denotes a Gentile who's a, who is devout toward the God of Israel, right? And yet, but is yet uh, not a full proselyte. Yeah, the reason, so the devout is in quotes there because um, the word that's translated worshiper is not the typical word for worship. Hmm. It's um, It means being devout to. It's like a verb for being devout. So hmm. that's what, yeah, devoted to uh, the God of Israel here. And the last one that you got, and you want to make sure we hit, is that she's a successful businesswoman. And this is one of the ones that I that stood out to me as Ryan was sharing this yeah. week, too. She's um, a seller of purple goods. As Ryan noted in the sermon, these were worn by the wealthy and even royalty. Yep. Um, which is fascinating. 
Yeah, yeah. It's kind a, of always think like the uh, the picture of Jesus the King, right? When you're in Sunday school, is with a purple robe on, or like uh, Majesty is, is a purple word. <laughs> if yeah, you're picturing a color. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's not easy to come across bright colors, purple uh, back then. Mm. Uh, should I give another fun? fact is this about the Bible snail fact. where you get the purple from is there a thing uh, the, so i've heard the, of this the the um purple dye was made from mollusks yeah that um are on the shore of the mediterranean and canaan is named after them Canaan is named Canaan. after them in the old the hebrew word for it so, so Lydia may, might have been a snail wrangler, is that what we're getting at? <laughs> well, Just... I don't want to go so far to say she actually wrangled, wrangled snails. Let's not get ahead she of ourselves. She ran a business of people yeah. who knew how to get this purple yeah, yeah, dye. Yeah. I'm not saying that's the only place purple could have come from, but uh, at least in the land of Palestine, this was where... Uh, get, of course, they're not in Palestine at this time. I, I'm just being a troublemaker. I have no idea where this information comes from. I heard it somewhere, and that you just reinforced yeah. that there's something true about it. Yeah, so. yeah. Yep. <laughs> Um, so, okay. So next question here, what can we infer about Lydia's beliefs and faith commitments, given that she is attending a Jewish prayer gathering on the Sabbath? Well, she, um, obviously, um, is already committed probably to some form of monotheism, right? So she's, she's not, does not, is not Jewish background and it's very common to believe in multiple deities so you know general faith that the one god of israel is the one true god um so it's a big thing um also i'd say like um a willingness to there's got to be a certain humility there right in in uh, because the jews back then jewish Jewish people yeah not that they weren't like the most prestigious people you know what I mean? So if you're showing up for worship, it's because you find something truly ap- appealing mm-hmm. about um, possibly their way of life, but more likely their beliefs about God. Mm-hmm. You know, um, so here's a woman who, if she is successful, it's kind of like, well, what, what are you wasting your Saturday for coming down and and spending it with Jewish people? I was going to say there's an element of whether or not wherever she is rationally in this understanding of this monotheistic God, right? She, there's an element uh, of uh, commitment that we see if she's appearing at uh, get togethers like this, like this is worth my time. I'm going to go down here and pray with, with these people to the God, uh, to the one God that I believe in. Yeah. Yeah. So she's close. She's also, however, does not appear to have been a full proselyte, right? So there's, um, which is an interesting place to be in, right? That, um, uh, and uh, we, we we see a number of characters like this uh, in both the Gospels and in Acts. So, yeah. Um, then we have a heart question, more of an application here. Who do you know who is a pre-conversion Lydia today, and what can you do to move them closer to faith in Christ? So here we're talking about people who, you know, have general acceptance of God. Maybe the belief in God is there. Maybe the, a belief in Jesus is is there. Um, but they're just not at the point yet where they've actually committed their lives. Um, someone who is close and whom we could genuinely regard as a seeker. Um, all the disclaimers from Romans 1 uh, in place, right? There's none who seeks God, no, not one. But there are some people who are, uh, <laughs> it's kind of like, you know who I'm talking about. Right? People who at least seem like they're, they're, they're showing an interest in the Lord and in the things of God. Yeah, and I think it's interesting. This point stood out. Uh, as well from Ryan's sermon on Sunday, the the increase in people that we seem to bump into in our culture who are open, 
mm-hmm. right? Like this is not something. Yeah, that, that was kind of an amazing point, but I think he's right about it. Yeah, generationally and culturally, we're watching people. As there's, I, I think it's worth saying that while there's been this increase in transparency about our struggles and our anxieties and, and mental health, for instance, and like how many people deal with depression and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. The cult, while culture has increased in that, they've also increased in being willing to be like, well, how do how do you, how would you solve this issue? I want to hear what you have to say. Yeah. Um, which is ironic because we're at, in some ways in that way, it's like we're being almost more, a little bit more humble in culture because we're a little bit more open. But in other ways, it's like, no, this is the only truth. This is, yeah. you know. I'm I'm always struck by popular figures who do speak out um, on their on their you know faith and things like that, and I think it's probably I don't know part of it is like we live in an age where like politics is so ubiquitous and I don't know if it's because I'm older or if like people's interest in at least vaguely political topics has changed, but. Um, and, and a lot of times faith does get attached to that. And there's a way in which that can be a real slimy business, right? Like that can really spoil what genuine belief in God actually is. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it also can be, uh, it's not strictly a bad thing because nevertheless, people do sometimes become more open to biblical ideas mm-hmm. and, um, and more appreciative of people of faith. So it does. It's not a, like an un. It, it's not an unqualified good, but it's also very, uh, I think, important to seize upon upon that and to uh, and to take advantage of that. Yeah, and so this is a good uh, this is a good motivator to think through some of the people in your life who might fit that category. Who who is someone who's a little bit more open to these conversations? Who is someone who might uh, be willing to discuss with you a little bit about what you think? about this or better yet what the bible that you read thinks yeah about this yeah right? it's not what i think yeah um cool the next question here what are the signs of immediate fruit from lydia's faith in jesus that we see in her life so mm. first thing very obvious she's uh <laughs> i don't know if you'd count this because it's not i guess uh, i guess we're talking about uh um pre post conversion now, but the Lord did open her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. So there is that interest in hearing the gospel. Hmm. Um, but I'll note baptism is a pretty good sign, right? This is the initiation rite of the, well, it should be of all the church everywhere, but now we do a thing where oftentimes people will separate conversion from baptism, hmm. sometimes just for convenience sake. Um, but, um, you know, when people get converted, as we see all throughout Acts, the first thing to do is go and get baptized. Yeah, two of the things that I see immediately mm-hmm. in this change in Lydia is uh, generosity and hospitality. Mm-hmm. Right? Yep. Um, in a very real sense, uh, she is uh, immediately the first thing she does is invites them over to come and stay, and in a humble her, way too. If you've judged me faithful to yeah. the Lord, yeah. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, the hosp- this is what Paul was talking about, I think, when he talks about hospitality as a gift, you know, welcoming mm-hmm. God's people into your home, as many of you do, right, uh, as community group leaders. Yeah. Um, I think also the, the, the note of that her household also apparently joined her in her faith. So the, the mm-hmm. being able to spread it to the people of her, her, of her house. Um, 
Yeah, you can infer a lot from that one sentence, and it's not. It's just, we're on inference and assumption now, mm. right? But you can infer a lot about how her family viewed and respected her when she makes a decision like this. It's worth listening to and worth paying attention to, right? Like, um, it's not like oh, like she's off doing her own thing, mm. you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. She's not. She hasn't gone rogue. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, one wonders if perhaps she was a single woman, you know, because you don't really hear anything about her husband anywhere mm. in this. Which is a little bit, a little bit strange for, um, you know, for for a lot of the stories that we read from this time period, especially in the Bible. Um, but yeah, so those are some things that that some some kind of immediate fruits that you see in her life. It's no like it's it's not like uh, no one's twisting her arm either. I like how the thing you mentioned about the hospitality, like that sounds like it's her idea 100%. to have Paul set up yeah. base there, yeah. you know. And it's, I like the, um, so I read this in the NET, it's, and she persuaded us, mm-hmm. right? Um, yeah. When we read it in ESV together on Sunday, it prevailed uh, said upon us. she prevailed upon us, <laughs> which in my head is is just like a funny Bible way of saying she won us over. Yeah. She prevailed upon, right? Like, she, like they, she was like victorious they over. Like, nah. Yeah, like, like she uh, actively <laughs> pushed and convinced us yeah, that, 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 we that, should, that is. we should do that, right? We're going to see. Let me see what the Greek word is here. I'm, I'm, I'm willing to bet that you could, uh, uh, in a very informal way, call that she won us over. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. She won us over. Yeah. She talked her ear off until we. That's the message version. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, in the sermon, Ryan made a point to mention that our church recognizes the difference in roles for men and women that God has given to the church, as we see in the scriptures. See First Timothy two twelve. Uh, Further, he clarified that we also recognize how scriptures show women in various important roles among the people of God. What are some of the many ways that women can and should be serving in the church? Um, So I'm just going to put out here right now, we always tell you with the study guides, use, say, uh, include the questions that are right for your group, for the dynamics that you have. Um, and you may need to be sensitive. Some conversations are, some people are ready, more ready for certain conversations than others. And I say this not only because this is obviously could be a hot topic and, and extremely difficult for somebody, especially if you've got like unbelievers in your group and stuff like that, like people who are not yet committed to biblical morality, um, or who are going to misinterpret this as some kind of like misogyny or something like that. Um, but also because this conversation could easily eat up your whole your whole night. So it's mentioned, so we put it in here. And uh, and if you feel that your group would benefit from a talk on this, then go for it. But by no means feel that you have to discuss this. Yeah, walk, walk with the Spirit, you guys. There's, there's a wisdom in the Spirit of God that uh, you have access to, right? Is this the right conversation that we should be having right now is this going to further our edification is this going to bring us into a better understanding of the gospel is this going to make us more like jesus yeah um and, and it, for it, some to- it will it totally for might others, be yeah, yes exactly other, yeah um but you guys you probably know the people in your group largely and you probably know who you are and you you probably have a good insight as to whether or not this is one of those things for yeah. you guys yeah and and um for and it's it's i think it's noteworthy that like the scripture, it's not as if this, the, the teaching of the different roles between men and women in leadership within the church is all over the place in scripture, right? Like the Bible itself is not like, mm-hmm. let's talk about this all the time, mm-hmm. you know? So, so 
it's, I think you have good precedent there. Um, but uh, what this question is, is I think, and well, let me just say too, if, if you want more detail on this, I did do a Theology Thursday with Alex on it a while back where I was pretty thorough about it. Uh, and I give you our official position here, which is in our emergence distinctive document, which we go through with all of the new members here now. Um, and um, it's a, it's essentially that we believe that First um, Timothy 2.12 restricts women's role in, roles in leadership in the context of congregational worship. That is, get what we would do on Sunday mornings, like those kinds of things. So summer sessions, not congregational worship, right? That's the teaching. It is a teaching ministry of the church, but this is not us saying, I mean, aside from the fact that we're always worshiping the Lord with what we do, right? It's, it's not like, uh, it's not how the kind of setting that we would see um, this, that such a verse applying to. And I think the other piece of that is that all over the scriptures, you see women having very important roles, um, including what we might even term uh, forms of spiritual leadership, right? And, um, you know, it's clear, for example, in 1 Timothy 2, that Paul does ground his reasoning in creation, right? But nevertheless, even in the Old Testament, you see women prophet prophesying, you see, um, you know, the, the greatest reform in Israel's history under King Josiah in 622 BC is overseen by a female prophet. Um, you see women in the New Testament doing lots of stuff um, like this. Uh, I think of Priscilla. You think of the ladies mentioned in uh, Romans 16. So our position as a church is intended to balance those things, that God does seem to place restrictions on who leads in certain settings, but that there is also needs to be ample opportunities for women to be able to use their gifts as much as possible in the local congregation. So that's kind of like what our position, what's behind our position. It's a desire to balance those things and to not just say, right, because it's never about just saying the Bible talks about this and then ignoring everything else it says about it. You have to take into account all the things that the scriptures give us and come at what seems to be a biblically wise balance. Any thoughts on that? Yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah. No, I mean, <laughs> if you if you if you're going to claim from the outset that you respect and value the authoritative nature of Scripture, that it is God's word, and that it's not just parts of it is God's word, but all of it is God's word, um, then you have to go through the hard, diligent, discern and discernment work of deciding where where the rubber is going to hit the road mm. um, sometimes. Yeah. And, and uh, there are categories for which things are um, more difficult to uh, remain unified on with, mm-hmm. if you disagree with each other on, on those things. Mm-hmm. And this is, this is one of those things. And so it's worth saying that this is not a distinction of uh, you think this saved, don't think this unsaved. Um, this is a distinction <laughs> yeah. of this is the way our church has decided in the wisdom and discernment that the spirit has given us to to go about we think is the is the most accurate representation of the scriptures um given the entire counsel of it yeah 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 that's 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 a good way to put it yeah for sure um i note here that the question here is um you know what are some of the many ways that women can and should be serving in the church and so I think it's all that beneath, uh, well, I don't even say beneath, right? All that other than um, 
uh, leading during congregational worship, leading and teaching during congregational worship. So uh, everything from the things that are standardly, uh, standardly, commonly put in that bucket. So things like, you know, obviously teaching uh, youth and things like that or, or, or teaching other women. But also, I think if if uh, if someone is equipped with knowledge of the scriptures or somebody is equipped with theological knowledge, there are places and, and ways in which people uh, can teach with those things. This last summer, we had Donna Oust teaching the book of Ruth. She's like dynamite on that book. And I I'm, and I think it would be crazy not to uh, have given her that platform to be able to do it. And a lot of people were blessed by that. If you haven't heard her sessions on it. Uh, Highly the, recommended. They were awesome. Yeah. Yeah, very good. Check it out on uh, the Emergence uh, podcast, um, not, uh, the um, S- Sessions podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. So there, uh, it's a good little plug for the Sessions podcast if you guys haven't been listening already. They yes. are pretty rad. And I will be releasing past seasons pretty soon. So, we'll, you know, I'm just trying to organize them, put a little bit of a break between them so we don't just, like, throw everything out there at once. But, yeah, so it should be good. I think it's a good format to, to listen to it on. Yeah. Okay, let's go ahead um, re, uh, to Acts 16, 16 through 18, so a little shorter than our previous I'm reading. to read it since I still have it up? I would love that. Okay. All I right. would love that. Amazing. Two verses. Here we go. All right. 16. Now, as we were going to the place of prayer, a slave girl met us who had a spirit that enabled her to foretell the future by supernatural means. She brought her owners a great profit by fortune-telling. She followed behind Paul and us and kept crying out, These men are servants of the Most High God who are proclaiming to you the way of salvation. <laughs> she continued to do this. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. I was chuckling because I'm picturing Ryan saying that saying seven times really over and over and yeah, over yeah. yesterday. <laughs> um, uh, she continued to do this for many days, but Paul became greatly annoyed and turned and said to the, said to the Spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out at once. Yes. So, okay. So um, this is a bit of a different situation. Uh, probably most notably, we're not told about this woman's salvation. We don't know that she actually came to know the Lord. Um, but here you do have a different type of person whom God wants to reach with the gospel recognized here. And uh, we call this the, the oppressed. So let's look at the similarities and differences between this girl and Lydia. And we, uh, once again, I've given you guys, uh, you know, the, the answers that I think would be helpful to have in there. Doug, you're doing a lot of cheat sheets for everyone. This I week. know. I don't know. I've just, I got on the cheat sheet wagon and just didn't get off until I was done writing the study guide. <laughs> what, what do you want? Some weeks I just go a little nuts. You want to get nuts? Let's get nuts. All, All right. right. So speaking of your cheat sheets, you've got a couple points here yeah. to talk through. Um, and so they're similar in that they're both women and they're both Gentiles. Then um, you say, of course, there are also many similarities in their spiritual conditions as well. Yeah. Which is an interesting one. You want to elaborate on that a little bit? Yeah. I mean, I think, uh, you know, people might bring up, uh, well, they're both dead in their sin before they meet Jesus, right? Or they're both, you know, um, you know, uh, in bondage to the to the prince of the power of the air, you know, however we want to. Mm. So, yeah, like the general spiritual observations mm. of someone who doesn't know the Lord would obviously also apply to. Yeah, and yeah. same same deal in that same category, even if they um, are in t- entirely different social strata or mm. economic strata or any of that, um, they are both human beings made in the image of God that yep. are uh, 
that Jesus loves and wants. Right? Yeah. 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 Also part of their spiritual condition. Yeah, yep. exactly. Yeah. So there I am giving all the negative stuff and then you got to bring in the old image of God. <laughs> the old image of God <laughs> trick. <laughs> that, that old trick. You had that one up your sleeve. You've been waiting to drop that on us. My, right. my job is to make you look bad. <laughs> <laughs> they were also, I think, really nice people. <laughs> uh, so there are ways in which they're different. They're different in that while Lydia was a woman of means, she seems to have been poor. Mm-hmm. Lydia was free, making money for herself, but she was a slave earning money for her owners. Lydia was a worshiper of God. She was not, but practiced divination, which is uh, not a happy thing, especially uh, given, you know, Old Testament standards. Uh, I think the passage off the top of my head, I think it's Deuteronomy 18, if you need that. Do not practice divination. Uh, To not practice divination, yeah. Uh, Let's see here. Yep. Uh, Yep. Deuteronomy 18, 9 through 14. So... Yeah, uh, would be the place to go for that. And I think it's worth noting too yeah. that you you pointed out that uh, Lydia was free, while the slave slave girl is not. Yeah. Um, it's interesting that her she's enslaved right to owners mm-hmm. who are human beings, but she's also enslaved yeah. in this possession sort of way by this evil spirit that has empowered her to be something that's worthwhile for her to be enslaved, right? It's like it yeah. motivates the slavery to continue. Oh, yeah. Um, yep. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. She's got all the slaveries. Yeah. yeah She's the bottom of the bottom. Yeah. It's a, And you can imagine what other... I, Ryan mentioned a victim of human trafficking, you know? Mm-hmm. You can imagine what all the other, you know, things that this woman has had to deal mm-hmm. with. Um, uh, so Luke tells us that she followed Paul and his companion, companions crying out, these men are servants of the Most High God who proclaim to you the way of salvation. Note that she did this for many days. How might this have been misunderstood in a pagan context? So by the other people standing around, what would, um, you know, uh, because, and I'll just say here, probably not. They probably would not have inferred from that. Well, that must mean Jesus is Lord and rose from the dead, right? Yeah, it also removes all chances of winsomeness. Mm. walking around i mean as soon as you walk into a, a market oh, okay. and you want to talk with people about their life and get like to have know, a normal conversation yeah you want to get to know like yeah like what are the things that you're struggling with i have a solution to that his name is jesus you don't get to have yeah. that conversation if someone's running up at you like street corner style and going these are servants of the most high god who are proclaiming to you the way of salvation yeah. you're like okay first of all i don't know who that is or you think you have the most high god i, I have my gods over here i'm <laughs> yeah. fine it's like it shuts off the conversation immediately and removes all possibility to like care for yeah. those people in the way that you speak. Yeah, that's true. That's true. That definitely changes the dynamic of any conversation <laughs> they might have had. Uh, I'll also note that most high is also a designation that was given to certain Greco-Roman gods mm. as well. Um, uh, so it wouldn't even be clear what God she's talking about, as well as the promise of salvation. Now, from what, what, you, what do you mean is, by that? Yeah. yeah, yeah, from what is also ambiguous. Plus the fact that, like, if this woman is at all known for where she gets her information from, mm-hmm. I sound like the Beastie Boys, um, uh, but, uh, uh, you know, they, like, that definitely undermines kind of what Paul and his companions are all about, right? Like, like, we're talking to you about leaving all that stuff behind, and yet, you know, here comes a woman who knows what she does because of divination yeah. saying, you know, we don't want 
our gospel put on the same page as that. You know? I, I love this passage because it highlights, uh, for me, it highlights one of the beautiful things just about um, scripture and that it's an, it, it's, it can be a puzzle for sure, right? Here is a demon mm. who is against the working of the gospel in a context where Paul and uh, Timothy, is it Paul and Timothy? Uh, Paul and Silas. Paul and Silas. Yeah, well, are, Timothy was probably there too. Yeah. So in a context where Paul and his companions are mm. out there to preach the gospel. They mm. want people to know Jesus. Yeah. Here is a demon who is against it, who thinks, let me say the words, yeah, yeah. you are servants he's of the most high God. Help them, right? Exactly. Yeah. That's the thing. It's like, clearly he's not trying to help them, but these words, when we hear it, we go, I mean, that's true. So yeah. that, is that... Would that be harmful? And it's interesting to think whatever this demon was and whatever kind of power it had and whatever kind of influence it had over this girl, it thinks <laughs> yeah. that this is my way of getting at them this, and, and yeah. stopping the mission. Yeah. Um, and, and so I, we should be aware of that when we respond to it and go, well, it's true. So, I mean, it's annoying, but like, you know, it's yeah. there's something about it. Just listen to puzzling. Bates will say it seven times and you'll start <laughs> to see why. The, um, the other thing I sometimes think of with this is like, Paul may, I, I can imagine Paul like at first being like, all right, you yeah, know, like, yeah, yeah. all right, and slowly so, like, turning. Our, and then after like the fourth or fifth day and she's just persisting, mm -hmm. you know, uh, which leads us to the next questions. Uh, the next question, uh, what this girl was saying was technically true. Why then did Paul become greatly annoyed, which could also be translated disturbed, uh, eventually commanding the spirit to come out of her. And I think we're kind of, kind of answered a lot of that already. Mm -hmm. um, that, you know, it's, this is ultimately he realizes is, is communicating, not what we want to communicate. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a certain vagueness to what she's saying as well. Yeah. That's a really insightful way to think about it. Yeah. Um, it is, it's, it's interesting. He becomes like greatly annoyed. Paul, Paul's entire purpose is the mission of the gospel. He wants people to know that Jesus is the Messiah and that the Messiah's coming and dying and rising means this. And so uh, if, if he is getting annoyed, my immediate assumption is he's annoyed because something is impeding that mission. Mm -hmm. So something about yeah. this is impeding that mission. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, similar to the point about the demon, right? Like, mm -hmm. if Paul doesn't like it, then obviously there's some reason for concern. If the demon does like it, obviously there's something, some reason for concern. Yeah. Um, you okay. can. You, that's a worthwhile thing to think about. You can be the person who's saying something that's true that is yeah. not helping the mission. Yeah. Yeah. That's very. Yeah. You know, like I. Um, I can definitely see some scenarios where that could be the case. You know, mm -hmm. or a person's like, a person's. You know, um, like I, I can kind of think of like sometimes, you know, when, when I first started uh, to walk with Jesus, there were some ways in which I got really passionate really fast, but I was not a case where like I just dropped my sinful lifestyle and walked away from it. Like I kept using drugs and stuff for a while, mm -hmm. you know, and there would be plenty of times where, you know, I'm doing, you know, I'm not going to say what I was doing, but it's something that makes you real chatty with people. And something gets in my high mind, hey, I should start talking about God, you know, and I'm now I think back and I want to cringe at those encounters. Like, mm. what what am I communicating to these people, mm. um, even though what I'm saying is true? Yeah, that was, uh, a, you know, an embarrassing point in my life. But there there was uh, definitely a time frame where I was I was doing that, yeah. you know, yeah. Um, <clears throat> Next question. In the sermon, Ryan called this a power encounter, an extraordinary 
or even miraculous act of deliverance from bondage. When have you seen something like this, either in your life or in someone else's? Well, I had an interesting encounter years back um, uh, on a missions trip to Africa Mm. where I had the opportunity to lead a witch doctor to the Lord. Mm. And the, you know, that was, I think, um, I don't know, like I, I have mixed feelings about like, you know, or mixed thoughts about like how to process a lot of that mm. kind of more like, like, I don't know, I don't want to call it spiritual, but sp- spiritism and things like that. And what exactly is going on? Um, but, um, you know, the, the, and I, and I definitely think that it's not as if Satan is there sitting, waiting for us to be like, Oh good. They're using magic. Now I can really get them. Mm-hmm. You know, like he's just as capable of infiltrating my life through pride or through other things. But there was, you know, uh, I don't know how much of this was psychological with me, but definitely, um, that was a high octane experience leading this woman to the Lord whom the, the whole village just looked up to her as this, mm. this, you know, skillful communicator with this other world, uh, able to manipulate nature in ways that, and um, just knowing the way in which the scriptures kind of like directly address that kind of thing. And, uh, you know, I was frightened and it was almost like I just needed to move my lips and say what I felt the Lord wanted me to say. Yeah. And, you know, she came to know the Lord. That's awesome. Was, I, uh, um, that's interesting because it is, um, that's an experience that's clearly encountering something that's clearly antagonistic in the spiritual mm-hmm. realm. Yeah. Right. Um, I, when I think about like, oh, what is a power encounter that I've had? Um, I can think of one or two times in my life where I, uh, phenomenologically, right? Like in my own experience, the fen- the things that I experience, the phenomenon in my life um, that I can't explain by one way or another. Um, I've had a couple experiences that I would call uh, with antagonistic spirits of some kind, mm. um, but overwhelmingly, and this is just a grace of God in my life, I have to say, um, I can think of more spiritual experiences that are like a miraculous healing that I've had the, the opportunity to witness that I just, Oh, that like, if the body heals in that way, it doesn't heal that fast. Whoa. Yeah. That was clearly some kind of, uh, um, God has engaged that in a way that it's, uh, not the natural course of things. Yeah. Right. Um, which is pretty amazing. Like yeah. knowing that that stuff is there. I, I have a category in my head because of my experience that that stuff exists. Yep. Um, and what's amazing about that is like, I, I don't have this category that I, in my own self, am capable of producing those things, but I yep. do have this category for God wants to see new life happen. And sometimes he will absolutely engage in ways that are, that are, um, supernatural. Right. You know, what's a really good resource for that? Um, uh, the naked Bible podcast. This is Mike Heiser's podcast. He has an interview with Craig Keener, K E E N E R who does a lot of work on uh, some really good work on miracles and things like yeah. that. I highly recommend that podcast for people who are interested uh, that, that at least that episode, I, can also, I mean, the podcast I can highly recommend the whole podcast. Good. It's a great yeah. podcast. Yeah. yeah. It, it makes me, it, it'll make you think that I'm exciting to listen to. So you should definitely <laughs> listen to it. But uh, yeah, yeah, no, that it is, it is a great, um, it is a great resource that podcast, the I, naked Bible. I think just before we go on to the final point, because mm-hmm. um, you know we've been so brief already, um, <laughs> the uh, this as a power encounter mm-hmm. that frees this woman 
from mm-hmm. the bondage to the multiple kinds of slavery that she's under, right? Um, it's fascinating to me, and the Bible loves doing this, and so this is really interesting, and I just I really want to take a cup of seltzer or a cup of coffee and a cup of tea and go think about it for a while because here just is— not this guava mule. Here, not the guava mule one, nope. Um, here, here's what's fascinating. The experience is a woman being set free, and she's being set free from this oppressive thing. Right, that is antagonistic to the gospel, clearly, although we don't really understand how because what she's speaking in that oppression is something that's true. Mm-hmm. But the truth of Jesus in the as displayed in the power of the Spirit of God through Paul here mm. is setting her free. Yeah. And it's this this interplay between the truths will set you free, right? And well, I thought what she was saying was truth, but she wasn't free. In that. Yeah. There's, there's something yeah. really beautiful about that that I don't have an answer to, but like I would encourage like, you guys to go is not think about just it. just propositional truth. Like, yeah. It is that, but it's more than that, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Okay. Uh, let's read Acts 16, 19 through 24. You got it? Or do you want me to keep reading? I, I like your chocolatey voice. It's <laughs> definitely the first time someone has called my voice chocolatey. Um, okay. All right. <laughs> Here we go, Uh, 19 to 24. But when her owners saw their hope of profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas, and they dragged them into the marketplace before the authorities. When they had brought them before the magistrates, they said, these men are throwing our city into confusion. They are Jews and are advocating customs that are not lawful for us to accept or practice since we are Romans. The crowd joined the attack uh, against them, And the magistrates tore their clothes off Paul and Silas and ordered them to be beaten with rods. And after they'd been, they had beaten them severely, they threw them into prison and commanded the jailer to guard them securely. Receiving such orders, he threw them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. Yeah. So, um, why were the girls owners angry at the Christian missionaries and how does this response display their foolishness? So... Uh, they are angry uh, at them because their hope of gain was gone. So they're making a lot of money off of this. Mm. She's got the spirit of divination in there. That must mean she's probably pretty good at it because people are coming back and they're paying for her to, um, for her to divine for them, which by the way, d- divination in general in the Bible and in the ancient Near East refers to uh, different ways of observing nature that tell you about what is happening or is going to happen. So I might look at drops of oil going into water. I might look at organs of animals that have been sacrificed. I might look at the way that arrows fall when they're dropped to the ground. And basically you believe that there, it's the belief that this somehow corresponds to a future event. So if they fall this way, or if it looks this way, then this thing is going to happen. Well, that's what divination is fascinating to me about this and mm. please feel free to tell me where I'm wrong but uh, it's interesting that it's clearly obvious to the owners that this woman has some kind of demon doing this yeah. or some kind of spirit yeah. doing this yeah. because There's when Paul commands the spirit out her. the owners immediately are like hey yeah <laughs> that was yeah. ours what are you doing <laughs> yeah <laughs> not yeah. like oh let's see if it's still gonna work like they don't have any question that this was the spirit right um they they might i mean i think i think your your thinking is close to what makes it foolish for me it's that like yeah. clearly these guys have the like god is on their side right or something like they have the power to command this supernatural 
in a way that like maybe they shouldn't maybe they should listen right like the fact that they're mm-hmm. doing this probably means maybe they should listen um so yeah like i think that that's a, which essentially yeah what you're saying i think right that like they they see that something legit spiritual has happened mm-hmm. and and they're still not really their their response is not well maybe i should listen to what paul has to say yeah their it's, response is totally selfish let's yeah totally selfish yeah. and even hateful towards them yeah well my my mod- yeah. my modern like perspective and mindset reads this as like oh like it's interesting that it was so obvious to them that it was some kind of spiritual spiritual uh reason that she was able to divine things yeah. right and cuz when paul says get out of her then immediately to them they're like like that wait a minute that was the thing that empowered her yeah, yeah. so you have taken from yeah in that way. at the very least it's this ability for, for her to see things that normal people can't see yeah sight beyond sight as the thundercats would say <laughs> and I, I wonder if i wonder how much is in here between paul's casting it out and uh, them knowing that or being frustrated about that because mm-hmm. it could very well be that like she lost that ability and that was their experience of wait that means Oh shoot! That was our that was our spirit, and you cast it away, and then the anger rose. It doesn't say. Yeah, it says yeah, that yeah. They were it doesn't angry. give us ang- It doesn't give us details, right? It just yeah. when they saw that their hopeful game was gone. Exactly. Did this happen? Yeah. That did this happen? That minute? Did it happen a week later? Yeah. And Luke, as yeah. the author, X wants us to know that the reason they got annoyed was because their hope of gain was yeah, gone. Yeah, yeah, that's yes. the problem. Yeah, and it's yeah. and again, it's foolish because obviously, even from like a blatantly pagan, even if you want to just take pagan presuppositions. Clearly, some superior spiritual power is at work mm-hmm. in these guys. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, um, and you would think, especially <laughs> from some kind of superstitious standpoint, this might be worrisome what they're doing. Yeah. And these guys going to cast a spell on me or something from prison. Like, at the end of the day, it's it's interesting. It's foolish because they're relying mm-hmm. more on their their desire for money and sustenance than they are on the power of the spirit that just cast out this spirit with a word yeah like they've just encountered this incredible power like, and that's not the thing that they're clinging they're to they're clinging to, to yeah. but what about our income mm-hmm. yeah yeah <laughs> which is that makes it hit harder home to me because i have had encounters with the reality of the gospel and with the spirit of christ and you know like mm-hmm. meanwhile i still do struggle with this where's my income going to come from you yeah. know and and so immediately i've got this feeling of like okay bring it back down to my understanding um am i foolish when i'm worried about where my where where my uh, security rests yeah yeah this right? is going to cost me financially to follow jesus or yeah. in terms of some other sort of security yeah it also makes me think maybe of like a situation where like you're doing something unethical at work and your boss is okay with it because it makes mm. business better. And then you come to know Jesus and you're no longer willing to do that. Mm. You know, something like that might yeah. be a, might be a similar analog to this. Totally. Yeah. Um, all right. Um, let's go. How have you seen oppressors react when God's justice prevails? Um, so this would be like examples, examples for that. Um, I know like one stark example in my memory is um, a few years back, my sister-in-law is like a really like high powered attorney. She's like, you know, in DC and, um, and stuff. And, uh, you know, does a lot of really good legal work. And when she first, um, when she first got into it, when she was uh, doing her, her, um, you know, um, 
our school, she was serving um, in the summers with International Justice Mission, which is like an awesome ministry that goes in and like busts up like basically like human trafficking rings and with child prostitution and things like that. You know, so you go into like some country where this is going on and you use like uh, legal international legal means to break up this corruption and just seeing the kind of, um, you know, blowback from that, uh, the danger that people are in as a result of, and people doing this ministry still are in as a result of doing this. So that's, yeah. that's just a very obvious uh, example, example to me uh, that sticks up in my, sticks up, uh, out in my mind. Yeah. And if, if you're, maybe if you're having a hard time thinking about examples, um, bringing it down to earth, like we just did uh, mm. before about, uh, well, is it foolish for me when I, you know, like you really quickly just said like, well, I think of something where at my job, it might've been, uh, not okay. And then suddenly now that I'm a believer, like, I don't want to do that anymore. Yep. Um, do you have any experiences like that where you see because of the, uh, like justice and righteousness being done, even in a small way, people might react negatively. Yep. Um, how might, why, why might that be? Yeah. Why, why would they, yeah. What's in it for them? Yeah. 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 Another example, sometimes, uh, um, some of you might be familiar with situations like this, but, uh, I've, I think I've shared that I used to do a lot of uh, addiction ministry Mm -hmm. and oftentimes um, when women are caught up in it, they will get attached to a guy who gets them drugs in exchange for certain favors and helping those women get free. Like you want to talk about a way to make an unstable man angry. Um, That would be another example where, you know, Mm -hmm. where I've seen that kind of, uh, you know, uh, so it does, it does happen. Um, all right. Uh, so continuing this story, then let's pick up and go verses uh, 25 through 28. So Mm -hmm. 28 is in the middle of the paragraph there, but. Okay. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the rest of the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly a great earthquake occurred so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. Immediately all the doors flew open and the bonds of all the prisoners came loose. And when the jailer woke up and saw the doors of the prison standing open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he assumed the prisoners had escaped. But Paul called out loudly, do not harm yourself for we are all here. All right. So in the middle stopping here in the middle of things, uh, let's pause for some questions. Um, we're all to- we are, all we are told about Paul and Silas's response to having been unjustly thrown in jail was that they were praying and singing hymns to God. Luke makes the point of telling us that the other prisoners were listening to them. Mm. What has been your experience with worshiping God in the midst of intense pain? How especially does this serve as a testimony to unbelievers? It's a great question, honestly. One of the most um, sincere ways that I have seen mm-hmm. to express your faith, the, like the truth of your faith, the way it actually it actually lands in your life to your friends and those around you who you work with or have the opportunity to interact with um, who don't know that same faith. One of the best ways to express that is to watch, is to, for people to watch the way you react in times of, oh, of yeah. grief and yeah. trial and suffering. Especially you've got to put out there, they know you're a believer. Mm-hmm. They know, you know, they've been watching you. Yeah. 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 I, I, it's funny. Uh, 
I don't know of too many people who have this experience where suddenly someone was watching closely enough, didn't know they were a, that, that that you were a believer, and they went, so "What's different about you?" Like, uh, that's like the classic story of like, um, use the mm. gospel, yeah, or yeah, preach the gospel. I know and what you mean. Yeah. If necessary, use words. Like, no, use yeah. words all the time. Yeah, yeah, you gotta have um, to use words. <laughs> but but there is the there is incredible <laughs> truth to the idea that you should look different in the way you react, right? Yeah. Um, and I just want to say to we like it's it's a little bit common that in uh, Christian circles, people will have this like false idea of grief, for instance, as an example, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Where we, uh, where we expect like, oh no, we're supposed to be happy or we're supposed to be joyful still. I have the joy of the Lord. Oh yeah. And it's like, no, 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 no. It doesn't say we don't grieve. Yeah. It says we don't grieve as the same way that people who grieve without hope grieve. Right. And then this doesn't say that they were like singing like giddy songs yeah that's a good Lord. point i mean they could have been singing songs psalms of lament absolutely you know? yeah but whatever they were doing it was noticeable yeah it was noticeable that they had something worth listening to mm-hmm. yep yeah yeah, uh, yeah absolutely i would i would only add to that great explanation there that um it's not always automatic mm. like w- when you hit a hard time like it is very easy to turn away from the Lord during that and to be like, you know what? My stuff with God is on hold. Mm. Um, It takes effort, at least in my experience. I don't automatically praise God when things get, get hard or, or, or give him worship when things go bad. Well, I think we, I think we, I think we expect it to be automatic. Yeah. We read the book of Job and go, he's still praising God. And it's like, okay, well this is a narrative. Read the rest of the book of Job. Yeah. Read the rest of it. It's like, (laughs) well, this is a story. This is a narrative. And it's not a second for second newspaper rendition. Like uh, it's not the minutes of Job's inner, inner life experience. It's, uh, we picked out particular things to make a point here in this story in, in order. Right. And so I think we, we go through a lot of those things or we read these stories that are encouraging and we expect that our, our experience will be the same. And it's like, well, our experience, we don't live stories. We live our lives and then yep. we tell stories about our lives. Right. And so it's, it, yeah, it's, it's true. We shouldn't expect things to immediately just work in that way. Yeah. Um, but still somehow our grief and grief as a, as a, just a good example. So I keep coming back to it. Our grief is not the same as those who grieve without hope. Our yeah. hope underlies that that stuff even when it is intense and sorrowful and deep and out of our control and uh not immediate and etc 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 yeah you know yeah absolutely and i think this kind of like answers the next question on here as well why should we worship god even when things get dark in our lives as jordan says because of the um because of the um the testimony that it is to people um you know who you know because it is relevant right it's it's um, it's showing people the something very practical about our faith. And while they might not, maybe aren't asking the intense questions, like how do I be right with God and stuff like that? Like everybody asks questions about suffering. Everybody asks questions about how do I get through things and how do I, you know, face things well. So, yeah. Yeah. And I think to, to Ryan's point, mm. um, the the people who might not be asking those questions in a rational, comfortable setting, or the people who might not be experiencing some big miraculous like freeing from their from their bondage, mm-hmm. um, those people will still see the way you live. Yeah. Yep. 
Yeah, they do. That's that that that's the part of the witness that they might that they might get. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so next question: Besides singing and praying, what else do Paul and Silas do that serves as a positive witness to the jailer? And what opportunities have you had, or do you have, to witness to people in similar ways? Um, well, number one, they don't run. They stay there. They realize this is actually an opportunity, which is interesting, right? Because there's other times in Acts where stuff like this has happened. But these guys stay. Mm-hmm. And and apparently it seems here, too, like they convinced the other guys to stay, too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're is, all here. Yeah, we're all here. Um, That's a successful uh uh, convincing argument there. Yeah. Here's all your shackles are off and the doors are open, but you should stay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We also don't know how many guys are sitting there. Like, I don't know. I think we like, it's not like 200, like maybe it was like two or three other guys. We don't know. Yeah. It know? also, it doesn't but, seem interested in telling us whether or not the overhearing prisoners were also just listening and yeah. believing the gospel. Yeah, it doesn't they, tell they us might that. be. Yep. We don't know. Yeah. But he's, and he displays this, 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 care for him right do not harm yourself for we are all here he yeah. says yeah. yeah okay let's read that final section acts 16 29 through 34 all right 29 to 34 we don't want to break the pattern now so yeah. take us take us take it away i got it uh calling for lights the jailer rushed in and fell down trembling at the feet of paul and silas and then he brought them outside and asked sirs what must i do to be saved they replied believe in the lord jesus and you will be saved you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him, along with all those who were in his house. At that hour of the night, he took them and washed their wounds. Then he and all his family were baptized right away. The jailer brought them into the into his house and set food before them, and he rejoiced greatly that he had come to believe in God together with his entire household. Hmm. So the jailer's question, sirs, what must I do to be saved, is wonderful, right? If only everyone would ask this. But it is also unexpected. Like, why is that the response for what he's just seen? What do you think prompted him to say this um, in response to what he just seen? I think it's the thoughtfulness of the question. What would cause someone to submit to something that seems not good for them, even though it was good for me? So you'd say it's it's their testimony of not leaving. I think it's their testimony part. of not leaving. It's yeah. like he went to kill himself because obviously they're going to leave. That's what's best yeah. for them. Meanwhile, they're sitting there going, well, it, who cares what's best for me? The Spirit of God has told me I should stay here. Yeah. And I know that's best for you because I see you're about to kill yourself thinking we're gone. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know. Yeah, it's – and you think – you put yourself in his shoes. Like what most he knows is like these guys have just been beaten – for casting out a spirit of divination, like something is going on that this, um, this thing, just the foundations of this prison were just shaken. Mm -hmm. Shackles are all off. Like this God whom they serve is means business and is Mm -hmm. real. Right. And yet they care for me. You know, I think it's a combination of those things. Like, you know, that's just brought him also like this emotional thing. He's ready to fall on his sword. Like he's so upset about what's mm-hmm. just happened that he's ready to take himself out. Yeah. You know? And then in that moment, seeing that confluence, the power and realness of God, the fact that God's people are self-sacrificially caring for him, um, as well as this anguish that he's feeling, you know, mm-hmm. I think all of those things play a role there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, Final question. 
why do you think that Luke, both here in his account of Lydia, draws attention to the conversion of entire households? Makes for a nice uh, poetic section. Very nice To start one with one and to end one with one. Yes, yes. That's true. It rhymes. It's also sad that the slave owners were not converted. Yeah. It highlights to me that they like they saw this, they saw the power of God, and they yep. were like, "But what about my money?" Yeah. So it's like between when entire households are converted, does your does your need does your fear over what you'll have uh, keep you yeah. from converting or keep your family from converting? Yeah, and it's a testimony it's to how that hope kind of seeps through the entire family mm. can 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 seep through the entire family, which is not always easy, right? Sometimes family members are the hardest people to witness to, the hardest people to get through to. But yeah, yeah. yeah. So, all right, cool. So we're wrap up with some prayer time. A couple things I give you guys to pray for. Praise God for how he uniquely drew you to himself and how he's drawing you even now. Pray that the Lord would reveal to you the right strategy for reaching different kinds of people in your life. And finally, pray for the war in Ukraine and for the wisdom of world leaders in navigating this extremely difficult situation. Pray for the people whose lives have been hurt by this conflict and for the gospel to prevail over hearts in the midst of intense suffering. Something we talk about today in this uh, in this week's discussion. Quite so. a bit. All right, everybody. Well, thanks for sticking with us. Uh, we always love being with you. And until next week, take care and bye-bye.